streaming. That's it. Right, beer dash time. Okay. Good. Can't hear them. Welcome to another 40 in times. As I fiddle with my headphones, I've just gone to get some beer. Good evening and welcome to 40 in turds. We've got... Uh, oh, okay, what's going on here? I need to plug that in. Yeah, you, you sort it. That's it, I can hear you now. We've got, yeah, we got, we got a packed program <laughs> tonight then, haven't we? Uh, bottle top off. So, tonight we're going to yeah. talk about... Near death experiences. Oh shit. To quote to to misquote the Bible, my beer runneth over. Just pop the top off and it's gone nuts. It's gone walkabout. Uh smooth start, smooth start, lads. Uh so what beer is having a near death experience of its own. Oh, got someone camping in the Brecon Beacons. Wonder if he's gonna see anything. What are the beacons like for UFOs, Ian? Um, probably good. Wales is good. I do know that. So, uh, in general, Wales is a good place. You've got, you've got the Welsh Triangle, where, um, yeah, a triangular area where there's a uh, high amount of UFO uh, activity. I prefer the hairy triangle, but uh, that's uh, <laughs> how I am. Yeah. So, is it... Yeah. Brecon Beacons, that'll be uh that'll be mate might might find an alien big cat on there, mightn't you? Uh yeah, or even a or even <laughs> a Bigfoot uh, roaming round. Is there a Bigfoot on there, is there? Um there's you can usually find a report from anywhere, though they tend to come Bigfoot reports in the UK tend to come from the north of England these days, don't they? And Canic Chase. Is, uh, Canic Chase. Yeah, I want to do an episode on Canic Chase because it's not mm. just Bigfoot there, it's just like everything. It's it's like Canuck Chase is like the UK Skinwalker Ranch, isn't it? I would say a similar thought sort of thing. And you I also and you also thing. get um what's his name? Court Doggin at Canuck Chase, don't you? Stan Collymore. Stan Co- yeah, it was that where he was caught. <laughs> That's where he was yeah. caught dogging. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a werewolf there as well. So that's it. That'd be there's a werewolf, UFO sightings, isn't there? Mm. Some ghost sightings. Uh, I think there yeah. might have it, I think there might even be like um, black eyed black eyed kids there as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, alien big cats, no doubt. Uh, you probably get a look. I don't in. think I've seen an. I don't think I've seen a report. I might have seen a report of an alien big cat there. Yeah. I think that's probably so, one of the yeah. few things I haven't seen a report. Of. <laughs> I think there's even a ghost there as well, isn't there? Mm, yeah. Wow, somebody but, somebody uh, got covered in ectoplasm by uh, by Stan yeah, Collymore, didn't Con- Yeah, someone's window. Yeah. <laughs> there I was having sex with my wife, and ectoplasm yeah. appeared on the window. 
And then yeah, I saw Stan so, um, Collymore's 4v4 driving away. Yeah, so... Oh, Dom's in. There's some... Is he here? That way, he's, he's, in, he's in YouTube. Is he? Is he coming on? <coughs> Dom, you, you coming on? Or are you working in the pub tonight and on your iPhone? The spooky pub. Yeah, the haunted pub. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's coming on. Yeah, we need some support because Hobbit <coughs> Yeah, Hobbit, Hobbit, Hobbit does the waffling of three people, doesn't he? Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm sure he'll appreciate that when he reads this. Yeah. When he hears this, not reads it. Um, he could go on hands. He could go on hands free, couldn't he, and join us? Yeah. So. And just put put his uh, put his two pound in. Uh, <clears throat> right. So we're going to talk about near death experiences. So I think we'll let's start with we'll start with the wiki definitions. Let's let's do a definition for those that don't know what an what an NDE or a near death experience is. Uh, where is it? I'll put the link. link. Uh, so Wiki, we'll go by Wikipedia. <laughs> um, so near death experience is a profound personal experience associated with death or impending death, which researchers claim share similar characteristics. When positive, such experiences may encompass a variety of sensations, including detachment from the body, feelings of levitation, total serenity, security warmth, the experience of absolute dissolution, and the presence of a light. When negative, such experiences may include sensations of anguish and distress, um, which could be ketamine as well, (laughs) as we read. Yes, <coughs> and I can vouch for that as well. Even though we did read an article on ketamine, um, <laughs> I've actually done the the, um, the research on that, and yes, it is like a near death experience. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, explanations NDE for NDEs re- vary from scientific to religious. Neuroscience research hypothesizes that an NDE is a subjective phenomenon resulting from disturbed body multisensory <laughs> integration. Which is, mm. that's a wonderful bit of word salad that probably doesn't mean anything. Uh, yeah. So disturbed mm. bodily multisensory, multi-sensory integration. It, no, that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Is it out-of-body experience, perhaps? Yeah, that occurs during life-threatening events. Some transcendental mm. and religious beliefs about an afterlife include descriptions similar to NDEs. Mm. Uh, in the US, an estimated 9 million people have reported an NDE. So a lot of people yeah. nearly dying in America. That's the people... Plus, yeah, plus the people who did actually die eventually, who've mm. uh, kept quiet about it as well, so it's more common than we would think. Yeah, I mean, because... I don't quite get the debunkers thing on this, where they go, ah, well, all these people that talk about paranormal stuff, they just want to be famous. Like, nobody wants this wants this coming to their door, do they? Well, some people will do anything. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I suppose it's a good way to get attention, though, isn't it? To say that you died and experienced uh, meeting, uh, went to the pearly gates and meant, uh, you know, th- where was this, to Michael the- or whatever. And then yeah, came back. It's kind of a th- it's weird, isn't it? Because some people, some people say they don't want the attention, but they tell everybody, and then other people. Yeah. It's 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 kind of weird, isn't it? 
Uh, it's people, like, oh. people do want attention because remember yeah. that in, on the word that bit where they did I'll do anything to be on TV <laughs> and then they'd like snog a granny or something when that bloke drank <laughs> drank a pint of sick I remember that one yeah <laughs> or lick, he licked the, one of them licked an old man's false teeth oh yeah I think snug, one had a pube sandwich snog snog the granny um, yeah, yeah, that it's, one, yeah. yeah, it's kind of a weird one because some people, I don't know, so I, I don't think all people that report this stuff want to be famous. Although, <laughs> although, although I do believe there are there is a there are I mean, some. I mean, bet, bet you uh, Barney Hilton really didn't gain anything from reporting their their experience, did they? Like everybody, everybody now been. now knows that Barney Hill's dick don't work properly. Some people are just fucked up and just say it anyway. They, they, mm. they actually, they didn't, you know, they think it's true. Or it's even a dream and you think that, um, you think it's real. Yeah. Um, some dreams are very much, uh, you know, very, very um, near to reality. Like, uh, like, that, like that time you went to school naked and you thought you were dreaming, Ian. Yeah, and I actually was there. Yeah. <laughs> 28 years old I was. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was just the teachers. No, but I, I I was dreaming I was having a piss and I woke up and, well, yeah. Like that time I was dreaming, I, I dreamt that I um, uh, ate a giant marshmallow. When I woke up, it turns out I'd uh, killed a family of four in my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So right, let's t- let's do some uh, dumb. They're in the they're. I've I've done an NDE channel in here, so it should it should be easy. Let's see to... what we got. Mm. Yeah. Right. right, I'm gonna start Do off you... with where is it? The one I quite liked. This is quite a long one. Uh, Veronica Ulrika Barthel. Barthel. Bar Bartel. It's foreign. Um. <clears throat> so. Oh, when I was 22 years old, I was struck by lightning while I was driving my car. She didn't say what car. <clears throat> bloody women um for about 15 minutes i was transported into hell during this time an angel of the lord was driving my car for a long time i've forgotten a great deal of my journey to hell on a vacation to italy the memory of this experience came back bit by bit and, uh, imagine going to italy jogs your experience of going to hell i mean did was it did, did she not enjoy italy then is that what she's saying uh not only memories from the time I had spent in hell, but also memories of my childhood when I saw Jesus and an angel standing next to my bed. My mum was 18 years old when I was born. Soon after that, I got a stepfather who rejected me. Because of him, I experienced some bad things. By the age of five, I went to church on a regular basis. At this stage, Jesus became real to me, and every time I was lonely, I prayed to him. Often, I was crying in my bed because I was not supposed to be crying in front of my stepfather. Every attempt to cry would cause me to gain more punishment. At the age of seven, I ran away from home for the first time and sought shelter at my grandmother's. Through these terrible experiences in my childhood, I lost all my faith in God. If there was a God, I thought, he would have not allowed all these terrible things in my life. During my youth, I tried to commit suicide three times. She she won't try that hard then, was she? Uh, Jesus healed me from the pain in my past, and by his grace, I was able to forgive my stepfather. To him alone brings the glory. Uh, back to the incident where I was where I was hit by lightning. Though, though this experience, through this experience, I became aware of the fact that there is life after death. 
I was sad when I thought there would be loved ones, friends and family members caught in hell. In summer 1981, I was driving home from a party when it began to rain. My safety belt from my passenger side was hanging out of the car door. By this, I was earthed. All of a sudden, it was very bright in my car. Does she not know that seatbelts don't... Do seatbelts conduct? Mind you, they are nylon, aren't they? Um, Doesn't the car form like a Faraday cage when it gets struck? Well, she's. I think what she's saying because her seatbelt was hanging out of, because her seatbelt was hanging out from the passenger side, it earthed the car. (laughs) So so she kind of. I think she bypassed the Faraday cage by doing this. All of a sudden, it's wheels that earth the car. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, by this, I was uh, I, well. I, it's a woman talking about electrics. So. All of a sudden, it was very bright in my car. I was hit by lightning, and I thought, "This is the end. I'm dying." Immediately, I was screaming. After that, I left my bot- body and saw saw me sitting in the seat with burned hands, holding the steering wheel of my car. With an enorm- with enormous rush, the journey went through a tunnel, which was like a canyon. I did not touch it at all. This time, this short time was terrible. I can't f- find the words to describe it. At the end of the tunnel, I stood in front of a big gate with the engraving, Welcome in Hell. Yeah, bad grammar. Um, th- there I was brought into a big... Is that pa- is that is that for the for all the, the grammar nerds out there? It just, like, irritates them for eternity. <laughs> uh, there, there I was brought into a big, big waiting room by demons that had met me at the entrance. I was utterly shocked by the earnest cries for pe- of the people for Jesus to help them. They did not read their Bible correctly to find out that it's not enough to say yes to Jesus once. Live as you please and end up in, and at, and at the end and at the end up in heaven. <coughs> uh, this is, that is a lie that is well spread even in a lot of congregations today. After that, I saw black passages in which I get I only felt great fear. The creatures I saw there were more terrifying than anything I even saw in a horror movie. Today I know that they were demons as soldiers were march- marching past me and the, in the middle of them were people that were screaming with pain. It was very difficult to breathe down there because of the terrible smell of this face, this place. I saw a lake which looked like the inner part of a vulcan- volcano where people were cursing because of great pain, crying out to Jesus. I, I was grateful towards God for le- letting me see the happenings in this lake of fire from a distance. Does it not hurt when we burn ourselves on the iron or the stove? How much more is the pain that is experienced in the lake of fire? People were cast into a cave where there was no escape. Demons stood on the side of the cave and were throwing spears at them. Every time someone was hit by a spear, he would cry and scream of pain. I experienced this torment myself, and in all my life I never knew pain to this extent. I had pain in every part of my body. There were snakes over snakes crawling round and frightening the people, but... By the thought of it, my tummy turns. Nobody should think there is time to convert in hell. Why were the demons throwing spears? Don't demons realise we've got like automatic weapons now? Do they not know what I... what don't kill you can only make you stronger? <laughs> and guns don't kill people, demons do. Yeah, demons with spears <laughs> do. Well, they don't kill anyone because they're just like stormtroopers in Star Wars. What, um, why was she in hell or what had she done? I don't know. We haven't got that. We haven't got to that. Uh, could be the oh, three suicide. Could be the three suicide attempts. There's more. Go, go for it. Uh, everyone is busy with his own pain and anguish that has no end. In hell, I discovered a fear that has never been on earth. It makes me very sad to find so many unforgiving and sleeping Christians there. 
it, it, it is the last hour. We must wake up. It was such a grace that I met Jesus in such a place. What was he doing down there? Jesus has the loveliest voice, the nicest eyes, and a very special smile. His his presence... So he's a bit like Dale Winton, then. Um, his presence radiates an, 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 an unimaginable light. He is more than an embodied love. I can, no find, I can find no words to describe him. He sent me back into my body with the instruction to proclaim what I had seen. In the meantime, an angel was driving my car to, to my grandmother's house. There I came. Well, if she has an accident, she ain't gonna she ain't gonna get get insured, is she? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not my it's not my fault, officer. I wasn't driving; an angel was, because I was in hell being stabbed with a spear. Uh, there, do you think this woman? Do you think this woman's heard that Jesus take the wheel song? Making it literally. <laughs> Maybe she could have put an angel on the insurance as well. Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Uh, there, I came to myself and started to scream. I was hit by light. I was hit by lightning. I was dead and in hell. I screamed again and again. Some neighbours in their pajamas appeared. At first, they did not believe me. Then someone saw that the plastic parts in my car were melted, and that the safety belt of the passenger side was hanging outside. With with 24, I experienced... No, I don't know what that is. With something, I experienced another miracle of God's hands. For a while, I was living in Frankfurt, and I often drove to my grandmother's at the weekends. It's you know, it's, it's a bit unlucky driving to her grandmother's house. She doesn't have a lot of, lot of, lot of good, good, good times there, does she? <laughs> Unfortunately, I never had enough money, and the petrol tank was nearly empty, which was often the case. On this day, I tanked just enough to reach the house of my grandmother. It was a wonderful summer's day, and during the drive, I spoke to God, and I was looking at the beautiful landscape. It came to my mind that all this would come to an end. We as human beings are so busy providing for this life that we forget about the life thereafter. Because of these deep thoughts, I missed the drive out. I asked Jesus to help me not to run out of petrol and to stand on the highway. I believe that in my in my heart that Jesus undertook for me. From that minute, my car was using no petrol at all, and I was driving 150 kilometres in the wrong direction. <laughs> what? <laughs> to that long to, to, to realise... <laughs> 150 kilometers. Fucking, she did miss. She did. She did miss the. When she says drive, does she mean exit? Why oh, isn't this woman in a padded cell? <laughs> <laughs> this weekend, I was dancing for pure joy and thanking Jesus and honoring Him. Weeks later, I was testifying about His goodness. Later, I was back in this world and His faith and His faithfulness. Jesus brought brought my back to Him on July seventh, two thousand and two, at two in the morning. I heard Jesus say, "I'm coming soon. <laughs> Fetch my bride. All those who are prepared for my coming, and all all, all those who have oil in their lamps." Is that a euphemism for something having oil in your lamp? <laughs> <laughs> he's the one with the oil yeah. in his lamp. He's doing the oh. coming. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to get covered in ectoplasm. And two in the and morning then, as well. But then, uh, it, and then Jesus, Jesus, um, then he did a skid, killed a kid, <laughs> and fractured his balls on a dustbin lid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right. Anyway, continue. Uh, right, continue. Where was I? Uh, later, da, da, da. after after that, God the Father will pour out His anger and wrath over the earth. 
Come now to Jesus. Today is a today is the day of salvation it is a lie to believe that man only has to say yes to jesus without accepting him as lord to go to heaven jesus said those jews who believed in him if you abide said to those jews who believed him if you abide in my word you are my disciples indeed his worst word says in john 1 2 verse 3 9 uh, now by this we know that we know him if we keep that if we keep his commandments he who says i know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him but whoever keeps his word truly the love of god is perfect in him he who says he abides in him ought to, ought to just walk as he walked brethren i write no new commandment to you but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning the old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning again a new commandment i write to you which thing is true in him and you because darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in the darkness until now. Unforgiving and backbiting other Christians is one of the biggest reasons why people who accept Jesus as Lord. People who go to church every Sunday still land up in hell. I do bless every reader in the name of Jesus and wish him wisdom and understanding. So there you go. If you, if you go to church, it's still not a guarantee. Especially if you nick money from the collection plate. Yeah. <clears throat> Fiddle with the uh, choir boys. Yeah, the choir, yeah, if you go in for that reason. <laughs> Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. He instructed us to love one another and to serve each other with the gifts he has given us. It is impossible to serve God and live according to this world. Uh, if we want to be transformed into the image of Jesus, that blimey, this is going a bit off the fucking beaten track a bit, isn't it? Uh, uh, I'll skip this now. Uh, at this point, <laughs> I'll just skip it. Uh, at this point, Jesus gave me a vision that is based on this thought. I saw a room that was totally dark. Even the wallpaper on the walls was dark. There was no light at all. He was in a goth. She was in a goth's bedroom. Uh, the people who were in this room, I'm sure they were Christians, were without orientation and helpless. Directly next, next to this room was a room you could enter through a door. In this room, all the walls were covered in valuable and lighted wallpapers that I was blinded looking at it from this dark room. The door between these rooms, however, was very low and you could only enter into the bright room when you were crawling. It was a shame, but there was no one willing to crawl like a child to get into this bright room. Right here is where the problem is. The light directly in front of me is in, is directly in front of many Christians, but they are not prepared to humble themselves. They would rather stay in the darkness, and that means they are far away from God and will not find the way to heaven. It's just used as an excuse to preach at people, doesn't she? Yeah, I don't think there's no more here. Um, uh, has anyone ever heard of Sister Chew Thomas? C H O. Oh. Well, she talks about her. Um, Doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, I. Yeah, that's that'll do for that one. I think. King God Squad is it? Yeah. No, I was just looking at this. Um, this one, uh, this other one as well. Um, Anita Morjani. We uh, we did run through this, so I'll just uh, quickly run through her experience. So Anita Morjani was diagnosed with lymphoma in. In 2002, in 2006, she fell into a coma, from which she later awoke. She described what happened to her after she fell into the coma, as though she was above her body. 
Um, said Mojani to today in 2016, it was like I had a 360 degree peripheral vision of the whole area around, but not just in the room where my body was, but beyond the room. Uh, here, she said, she met her father, who had previously passed away. He said that I've gone as far as I can, and if I go any further, I won't be able to turn back. But I felt I didn't want to turn back because it was so beautiful. Mojani said it was just incredible, because for the first time, all the pain had gone. All the discomfort had gone, all the fear had gone. I just felt so incredible. Uh, I felt as though I was enveloped in this feeling of just love, unconditional love. After she awoke, she said within four days my tumours had shrunk by 70%. I just kept telling everyone that I know I'm going to be okay, I know it's not time to die. So that's what she said. So I thought, well, that sounds all right. So I had a, I googled her, as you suggested, uh, Hemi, you know, get a bit more info on. Yeah. So I put uh, Anita Majani in there. Came across her fucking website, isn't it? Here she is, public speaker for FP. Um, yeah, you can you can buy my my order my best selling book online. You can pay for that. Just going to see what other fucking products she's selling. Other shit. Uh, books, editations, courses, lifestyle, all for a fee. Cheeky fucking bitch. Uh, we, another... um, we got another Steve Feltham on our hands here, haven't we? Yeah, uh, another Steve. Yeah. So what else is this she's got on her website? The Sanctuary. What's that? Some load of yoga weekends. She's fucking ripping people off or some, some bullshit chanting or some crap. Clarity Corner. Anita's hand-picked ambassadors, sounds like pyramid selling going on here, will conduct live sessions and small groups of members who wish to ask and apply Anita's teachings. You know, come on. Out of out of body experience, my ass. Uh, cash in the bank out experience. Of, out of wallet experience. Yeah, so, oh. so you know. I'll, I'll let you check out this guy's website. So before his near-death experience, Howard Storm, www.howardstorm.com, was a professor yeah. of art at Northern Kentucky. He sells paintings, books, everything. Was a professor, a professor of art at Northern Kentucky yeah. University. Um, was not a very pleasant man by his own admissions. He was a vowed atheist and was hostile yeah. to every form of religion and those who practice it. He would often use rage con to control everyone around him and he didn't find joy in anything. Anything that wasn't seen, touched or felt, he had no faith in it. He knew with certainty that the material world was the full extent of everything that, w that was. He considered mm. all belief systems associated with religion to be fantasies for people to deceive themselves with. Beyond what science said, there was nothing else. But then on June the 1st, 1985, at the age of 38, Howard Storm... Howard Storm had a near-death experience due to a perforation of the stomach and his life was since forever changed. His near-death experience is one of the most profound, if not the most profound, the most profound of all, the profoundest of all, afterlife experience I have ever documented. His life was so immensely changed that after his near-death experience, he resigned as a professor as a professor and devoted his time attending the United Theological Seminary. That sounds... Like a tax dodge to me. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. And because and also, and, he was a teacher, wasn't he? And they were always yeah. whinging about the money, so he he was uh, he must have wanted a sideline. So he thought, oh, I'll do that. Yeah. Uh, to become a United am, Church yeah. of Christ minister today, Howard Storm is retired and presently happy, happily married to his wife Marcia, and was the pastor of Covington United Church of Christ in Covington, Ohio. A lot of Covingtons in there. Uh, during his pastime, he has maintained his passion for painting, but now, unlike in his past, he paints with a God state of mind, which raises his paintings to a whole other level of price. Should that be in in, in, in brackets? Yeah, they're, prob- that? they're probably shit as well, but because yeah. he's had a because he's got a, a, um, an out of body experience or whatever he says, then he you know that's his that's his USP in it. So yeah. On his website, Pastor Storm shares a, u- shares a unique look at his paintings and the effect Jesus Christ has had on his daily life and his paintings. The following is the account of Pastor Howard Storm's near-death experience, reprinted by permission. To read his full testimony, read his outstanding book, My Descent Into Death. Uh, Storm's other books include Lessons Learned, A Spiritual Journey, It's All Love, and Befriend God, Life with Jesus. Mm. A theme coming up here. Yeah, there's always something for sale, isn't there? <laughs> An invitation to hell from strange beings. Struggling to say to say goodbye to my wife, I ref- wrestled with my emotions, telling her that I loved her was very was as much of a goodbye as I could utter, because of my emotional distress. Sh- sort of relaxing and closing my eyes, I waited for the end. This was it. I felt this was the big nothing, the big blackout, the one you never wake up from, the end of existence. I had to absolute. I I had absolute certainty there was nothing beyond this life, because that was how really smart people understood it. Mm. While I was undergoing this stress, prayer, uh, stress, prayer, or anything like that, never occurred to me. I never once thought about it. If I mentioned God's name at all, it was only as a profanity. For a time, there was a sense of being unconscious or asleep. I'm not sure how long it lasted, but I felt really strange and opened my eyes. To my surprise, I was standing up next to the bed and I was looking at my body laying in the bed. My first reaction was, this is crazy. I can't be there here, standing here looking down at myself. That's not possible. This wasn't what I expected. This wasn't right. Why was I still alive? I wanted oblivion. Yeah, I was looking at a thing that was my body, and I didn't have that much, and yeah. didn't just didn't have that much meaning to me. You can say well, something. everyone says everyone says that, though, don't yeah. they? Have had this experience. Come up with some original, mate. Come on, you find no, yeah. you find no atheist in a foxhole, do you? Uh, now knowing yeah. what was happening, I became upset. I started yelling and screaming at my wife, and she sat there just like a stone, lazy bitch. She didn't look up at me. She didn't move, and I kept screaming profanities to get her to pay attention. Being confused, upset, and angry, I tried to get the attention of my roommate. What? Hey, uh, hey, <laughs> what's going on? What's going on there then? He was living in a backpacking hostel. Yeah, you, I don't know. It was always his mate shacking up with his missus. Uh, with the same result, he didn't react. I wanted this to be a dream, and kept saying to myself, "This has got to be a dream." But I knew it wasn't a dream. I became I became aware that strangely I felt more alert, more aware, more alive than I had ever felt in my entire life. All my senses were extremely acute. Everything felt tingly and alive. The floor was cool, and my bare feet 
bare feet, feet felt moist and clammy. This had to be real. I squeezed my fists and I was amazed at how much I was feeling in my hands just by making a fist. And then I heard my name. I heard, Howard, Howard, come here. Wondering at first where it was coming from, I discovered that it was originating in the doorway. There, uh, there were different voices calling me. I asked who they were and they said, we are here to take care of you. We will fix you up. Come with us. Asking again, I asked them who they were. Asked them if they were doctors and nurses. They responded, quick, come see. You'll find out. I asked them questions yeah. and they gave evasive answers. They kept giving me a sense of urgency, insisting I should step through the doorway. With some reluctance, I stepped into the hallway and in the hallway was a fog or a haze. It was a light coloured haze. It wasn't a heavy haze. I could see my hand, for example. But the people who were calling me were 15 or 20 feet ahead and I couldn't see him clearly. They were more like silhouettes well, or shapes. Don't and also, he was, making a, he was making a fist with his roommate. Yeah. And then some men were <laughs> beckoning him into a mist. It sounded, was he a, like a gay sauna? He'd passed out at the bathhouse, yeah. hadn't he? Yeah. By curious. Anyway, <laughs> uh they were more like silhouettes or shapes. As I moved moved towards them, they backed off into the haze. As I tried to get close to them to identify them, they quickly drew deeper into the fog. So I had had to follow into the fog deeper and deeper. These strange beings kept urging me to come with them. I repeatedly asked them where they were going. They responded, hurry up, you'll find out. They wouldn't answer anything. The only, the only response was ins- insisting that I hurry up and follow them. They told me repeatedly that my pain was meaningless and unnecessary. Pain is bullshit, they said. I knew I knew that we had been travelling for miles, but I occasionally had the strange ability to look back and see the hospital room. My body was still there, lying there motion. Hold on one minute. When he in his flat one minute ago and no one was listening to him? Yeah. So how can he Check. go see <laughs> the hospital room, the indefinite article? It looks like he'd seen Hellraiser as well. <laughs> my body was still there, lying motionless on the bed. My perspective at these times were, flo- were were as if I were floating above the room looking down. It seemed millions and millions of miles away. Looking back into the room, I saw my wife and my roommates, and I decided they'd been shagged. No, they had not been, able to- <laughs> had not been able to help me, so I would go with these people. Walking for what seemed to be a considerable distance, these beings were all around me. They were leading me through the haze. I didn't know how. I don't know how long. There was a real sense of timelessness about the experience. In a real sense, I am unaware of how long it was, but it felt like a long time, maybe days or even weeks. As we travelled, the fog got thicker and darker, and the people began to change. At first, they seemed rather playful and happy, but when we had covered some distance, a few of them began to get aggressive. The, the more questioning and suspicious I was, the more antagonistic and rude and author- authoritarian they became. They began to make jokes about my bare rear end, which wasn't covered by my hospital dickie. Uh, well, okay. It was one of those gowns that you... <laughs> yeah, like, hospital dickie. Have you ever heard it called a yeah. hospital dickie? No, oh, but my mate. Boss is showing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My mate said that he was in bed and he was use. He had a he had a um, piggy bank which was smashed and he was using it as an ashtray and it was on the floor and he fell out of bed and he uh, onto his arse and cut it on the ash on these. He went to hospital and put that thing on, 
for them to do stuff, but he had it on the wrong way round, so he was exposed <laughs> from the front. <laughs> around like that. So, so they were yeah. talking about his hospital dicky and how pathetic he was. Oh, I knew they were talking about me, but when I tried to find out exactly what they were saying, they'd say, shh, he can hear you, he can hear you. And obviously, not even the slightest bit suspicious at this point. <laughs> Not not the not the least bit suspicious about what what's going on here. Then others would seem to caution the aggressive ones. It seemed like that I could hear them warn the aggressive ones to be careful or I would be frightened away. What? And then probably some of the others gone. No, this bloke's far too fucking dumb for that. Uh, wondering what was happening, I continued to ask questions, and they repeatedly urged me to hurry and stop asking questions. Feeling uneasy, especially since they continued to get aggressive, I considered returning, but I didn't know how to get back. I was lost. There were no features that I could relate to. There was just the fog and a wet, clammy ground. I had no sense of direction. All my communication with them took place verbally, just as ordinary human human communication occurs. They didn't appear to know what I was thinking, and didn't, and I didn't know what they were thinking. It was increasingly obvious that they were liars and the and help was farther the farther away farther away the more i strayed with them fucking hell finally he's twigged it, it, it's he's he's cotton done lads um hours ago i'd hoped to die and end the torment of life now things were worse as i was forced by a mob of mob of unfriendly and cruel people towards some unknown destination in the darkness they began shouting and hurling insults at me demanding that i hurry along and they refused to answer any question finally i told them that i wouldn't go any farther and that time they changed completely. They became much more aggressive and insisted that I was going with them. A number of them began to push and shove me, and I responded by hitting back at them. A wild orgy of frenzied, taunting, screaming and hitting ensued. I fought like a wild man, all the while it was obvious that they were having great fun. It seemed to me almost a game form with me as the centrepiece of their amusement. My pain became their pleasure. They seemed to want to make me hurt by clawing at me and biting me. Whenever I would get one off me, there were five more to replace the one. They they must have been slapping him around the face with their semis as well. Yeah. Helicoptering him. Don, yeah. Don, what do you think to this completely real report? I think this guy fancies himself as a sci-fi writer, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, fuck, where is it? There it is. Um, oh, where else? Oh. Mm. Uh, you lost your place. Found it. Yeah, got it. Uh, yeah, I was just checking the uh, YouTube chat. Um, by this, uh, da, 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 da. so by this time it was almost complete darkness, and I had the sense that instead of there being twenty or thirty, there were an innumerable host of them. Each one seemed set on coming for the spot they got from her coming in for the sport they got from hurting me. My attempts to fight back only provoked greater merriment. They began to physically humiliate me in the most degrading ways. Did they tell him he's got a little dick? <laughs> As I continued to fight on and on, I was aware that they weren't in any hurry to win. They were they were playing with me, just as a cat plays with a mouse. Every new assault brought howls of cacophony. Then at some point, they began to tear off pieces of my flesh. To my horror, I realised I was being taken apart and eaten alive slowly so their entertainment would last as long as possible. At no point did I ever any any sense that the beings that seduced me and attack, attacked me were anything other than human beings. The best way I could describe them is to think of the worst imaginable person 
stripped of every impulse to do good. Some of them seemed able to tell others what to do, but I had no sense of any structure or hierarchy in an organisational sense. Uh, was he going to ask for their manager, was he? Was he going to do a carriage? <laughs> Uh, excuse me, who's your manager? I want this to stop right now. Uh, they didn't appear to be controlled or directed by anyone. Basically, they were a mob of beings, totally dri- driven by unbridled cruelty and passions. During our struggle, I noticed they, they seemed to feel no pain. Other than that, they appeared to possess no special non-human or superhuman abilities. Although during my initial experience with them, I assumed they were clothed. In our intimate in our intimate physical contact, I never felt any clothing whatsoever. <laughs> Oi, oi. <laughs> but he was in a gay sauna. Yeah. <laughs> fighting, fighting well and hard for a long time, ultimately I was spent lying there exhausted amongst them. I began to calm down since I was no longer the amusement I had been. Most of the beans gave up in disappointment because I was no longer amusing, but a few still picked and gnawed at me and ridiculed me. The no, party no was over. What's that, Tom? Bukaki party was over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By this... Maybe it was Frankie. Maybe it was Frankie Boyle because he's no longer amusing, is he? Yeah. <laughs> By this. By this time, I've been pretty much taken apart. People were still picking at me occasionally, and I just lay there all turn up, torn up, unable to resist. Exactly. Uh, exactly what happened was, and I'm not going to try to explain this. From the inside of me, I felt a voice. My voice say, pray to God. My my mind responded that I don't pray. I don't know how to pray. This is a guy lying on the ground in darkness, surrounded by what appeared to be dozens, if not hundreds and hundreds of vicious creatures who had just torn him up. The situation seemed utterly hopeless, and I seemed beyond any possible help, whether I believed in God or not. The voice again told me to pray to God. It was a dilemma, since I don't know how. The voice told me a third time to pray to God. And it started saying things like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God bless America. Because <laughs> that's a prayer. Is that a prayer, is it? God bless America. And anything else that seemed to have a religious connotation. And these people went into a frenzy as if I had thrown boiling oil all over them. They began yelling and screaming at me, telling me to quit. There was no God and no one would hear me. While they screamed and yelled obscenities, they also began backing away from me as if I were poison. As they were retreating, they became more rabid, cursing and screaming that what I was saying was worthless and I was a coward. I screamed back at them, our father who art in heaven and similar ideas. This continued for some time until suddenly I was aware that I had left. It was dark and I was alone yelling things that sounded churchy. It was pleasing to me that these churchy sayings had such an effect on these awful beings. Lying there for a long time, I was in such a state of hopelessness and blackness and despair. I hope he wasn't black-facing. That I had no way, no way of measuring how long it was. I was just there, just lying there in an unknown place, all torn and ripped. I had no strength. It was all gone. It seemed as if I was sort, sort of fading out and that any effort on my part... Would, expect, would expend the last energy I had. My conscious sense was that I was perishing or just sinking into the darkness. Uh, what do you think so far? Quite the... Uh, <laughs> do, you do you reckon he could get himself a book out of this? Yeah, or a series of maybe. novellas. Yeah, <laughs> maybe some t- do some t-shirts as well. <laughs> like Iron Maiden type t-shirts with the... <laughs> They've had an out-of-body experience written on there. <laughs> now, I, I did... Oh, 
now I didn't know if I was even in the world. I didn't know that what that I was here. I was real. All my senses worked too painfully well. I didn't know I had arrived here. There was no direction to follow. Even if I had been physically able to move, the agony I'd suffered during the day was nothing compared to what I was feeling now. I knew then that this was the absolute end of my existence and it was more horrible than anything I could have possi- I could possibly have imagined. Then a most unusual thing ha- happened. I-, I heard very clearly once again in my own voice something I'd learned in nursery Sunday school. There was this little song, Jesus Loves Me. Yes, I know. And it, and it kept repeating. I don't know why, but all of a sudden I wanted to believe that. Not having anything left, I wanted to cling to that thought. And I inside screamed, Jesus, please save me. And that thought was screamed with every ounce of my strength and feeling left in me. When I did that, I saw off in the darkness somewhere, the tiniest little star. Not knowing that what, what it was, I presumed it to be a comet or a meteor because it was moving rapidly. Then I realised it was coming toward me. I was getting very bright rati- rapidly. When the light came near, its radiance spilled over me and I just rose up. Not with it, not with my effort, I just lifted up. Then I saw this, and I saw this very plainly. I saw all my wounds, all my tears, my brokenness melt away and I became whole in this radiance. What I did was to cry uncontrollably. I was crying not out of sadness, but because I was feeling things I'd never felt before in my life. Another thing happened. Suddenly I knew a whole bunch of things. I knew things. I knew that this light and this radiance knew me. I didn't know how to explain to you that I knew it knew me. I just did. A matter of fact, I understood. As a matter of fact, I understood that it knew me better than my mother or father did. The luminous entity, entity that embraced me, knew me intimately and began to touch my bum. Uh, began, began to cum- communicate a tremendous sense of knowledge. I knew that he knew everything about me, and I was being unconditionally loved and accepted. Uh, that's nothing. I mean, it said it knew him better than his mother and father. These days, your Facebook algorithm knows you better than your own mother and father. <laughs> Did you say I was there? Are we? Are we going to find? Are we going to find out? It was. Uh, it, it was, was a uh, detective in a wheelchair doing this. It was. Who's the, who's the Facebook guy? I'm blanking. Um. Well, um Zuckerberg. Guy. Zuckerberg. Is it Zuckerberg's come to save him? Has he? <laughs> He's now in the metaverse. Yes, uh, Jesus. Uh, the light <laughs> conve- <better> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. The light conveyed to me that it loved me in a way that I can't begin to express. It loved me in a way that I'd never known that love could possibly be. Is this something to do with bending over, is it? It was, <laughs> it was, it was a concentrated feel of energy, radiant in splendour, indescribable except to say goodness and love. This was more <laughs> loving than one can imagine. I knew that this radiant being was powerful. It was making me feel so good all over. I could feel its light on me, like very gentle hounds around me. I could feel it holding me, but it was loving me with overwhelming power. After what I had been through, to be completely known, accept, accepted, and intensely loved by this being of light, surpassed anything I had known or could have imagined. I began to cry, and the tears kept coming and coming. As we, as we, I, and this light went up and out of there. We started going faster and faster out of the darkness. It, Embraced by the light, feeling wonderful and crying, I saw off in the distance something that looked like the picture of a galaxy. Except it was larger and there was more stars than I had seen on Earth. There was a great, a great centre of brilliance. In the centre was an enormously bright concentration. Outside the centre, countless millions of spheres of light were 
flying around around and entering and leaving there's a great beingness at the centre at the centre it was off in the distance then I didn't say it I thought I said I thought I then I didn't say it I thought it I said put me back what I meant by telling the light to put me back was put me back into the pit I was so ashamed of who I was and what I'd been all of my life that I wanted all I wanted to do was hide in the darkness I didn't want to go toward the light anymore. I did, yet I didn't. How many times in my life had I denied and scoffed at the reality before me? And how many thousands of times had I used it as a curse? What an incredible intellectual arrogance to use the name as an insult. I was afraid to go closer. I was afraid. I was also aware that the incredible intensity of the emanations might disintegrate. And I was, and what I still experienced as my intact physical body. The being who was supporting me, my friend, was aware of my fear and reluctance and shame. For the first time, he spoke to my mind in a male voice, and he told me that if it was uncomfortable, we didn't have to go closer. So we stopped where we were, still countless miles away from the great being. For the first time, thought, my f- Go on, then. And he thought to himself, I have to go back. I have to write a book about this. <laughs> <laughs> and T-shirts. He <laughs> <laughs> rings. for the first time my friend and i refer to that in that context hereafter said to me you belong here note howard believes his friend was jesus uh facing all that splendor made me acutely aware of my lowly condition does does he ever wake up this guy (laughs) <laughs> the next the next thing he gets put on earth and he's got and he's at school and he's got no no underwear no clothes on mm. face and everyone's <laughs> laughing at him my my response was no you've made a mistake put me back and he said we don't make mistakes you belong then he called out in a musical tone to the luminous entities who surrounded the great <laughs> center several came and circled around us During what follows, some came and went, but normally there were five or six and sometimes as many as eight with us. I was still crying. One of the first things these marvellous beings was was to ask, with all with thought, are you afraid of us? And I told them I wasn't. They said they could turn their brilliance down and appear as people, and I told them to stay as they were. They were the most beautiful, the most... dot, dot, dot. Whatever that means. Uh... Uh, as an as an aside, I'm an artist. There are three primary, three secondary, and three and six tertiary colours in the visible light spectrum. Here I was seeing a visible light spectrum with at least eighty new primary colours. How do you, how does he know this? <laughs> I was also seeing this brilliance. It's disappointing for me to try and describe because I can't. Um, I was seeing colours that I'd never seen before. What these beings were showing me was their glory. I wasn't really seeing them, and I was perfectly content. Having come from a world of shapes and forms, I was delighted with this new formless world. These beings were giving me what I needed at that time. To my surprise and also distress, they seemed to be capable of knowing everything I was thinking. I didn't know whether I would be capable of controlling my thoughts and keeping anything secret. We began to engage engage in thought exchange conversation that was very natural very easy and casual i heard their voices clearly and individually they each had a distinct personality with a voice but they spoke directly to my mind not my ears they they used normal correct english everything i thought 
everything I thought they knew. They seemed to know and understand me very well and to be completely familiar with my thoughts and my past. I didn't feel any desire to ask for someone I had known because they all knew me. Nobody could know me any better. It also didn't occur to me to try and identify them as an uncle or grandfather. It was like going to a large gathering of relatives at Christmas and not being quite able to remember their names, who they are married to or how they are connected to you, but you do know you are with your family. I don't know if they were related to me or not. It felt like they were closer to me than anyone I'd ever known. I've figured it out. What? Like we're in a simulation. Are yeah. These beings that this guy saw are the developers, and he's witnessing an Easter egg that they put into the game. <laughs> <laughs> he's done no. He's done the bit. You know. You know when the uh, when something fails and you fall out the bottom of the game. <laughs> Throughout my conversation with the luminous beings, which lasted for what seemed like a very long time, I was being physically supported by the being in whom I'd been engulfed. We were in a sense completely stationary yet hanging in space. What? You're either stationary or you're moving. Everywhere around us were countless radiant, radiant beings like stars in the sky coming and going. There's a lot coming in this. It was, a, it was like a super magnified view of a galaxy super packed with stars and in the giant radiance at the centre they were packed so densely together that individuals could not be identified their selves which were in such harmony with the creator that they were really just one one of the reasons i was told that all countless beings had to go back to their source was to become invigorated with this sense of harmony and oneness apart from being on apart, the source by the sound of it yeah being apart for too long a time diminished being apart for too long a time diminished them and made them feel separate their greatest pleasure was to go back to the, all, to the sources of all life is that ranch or ketchup <laughs> our initial conversation involved them simply trying to comfort me something that disturbed me was that I was naked I told you you, you, you called it in you called it in that dream again yeah, somewhere in the darkness I'd lost my hospital gown. It's, it's either that or it's a German porno, isn't it? <laughs> oh, look! Oh, look, you've lost your hospital it gown! The, uh, <laughs> it was the dream that Martin Luther King had as well. <laughs> <laughs> I was a human being. I had a body. They told me this was okay. They were quite familiar with my anatomy. Gradually, I relaxed and stopped trying to cover my privates with my hands. He was uh, exposing himself. Do you, do you want to <laughs> listen to the Perfect. life review of Howard Storm? <laughs> next they so... wanted to, next they wanted to talk about my life to my surprise my life played out before me maybe six or eight feet in front of me from beginning to end the life review was very much in their control and they showed me my life but not from my point of view i saw me in my life and this whole thing was a lesson even though i didn't know it at the time they were trying to teach me something but i didn't know it was a teaching experience a bit like marvel films then um all men are bad all white men are bad uh because i don't because i didn't know that would be coming back that i would be coming back we just watched my life from beginning to end some things they slowed down on and zoomed in on and other other things they went right through did they slow down on the bits where he was having a wank <laughs> <laughs> zoom right in <laughs> when he was at the bathhouse uh my, <laughs> my life was shown in a way i'd never thought of it before all the things that I've worked to achieve, the recognition I've worked for in elementary school, in high school, in college, in my career, meant nothing in this setting. So all that time being a SWAT didn't help him. 
I could feel their feelings of sorrow and suffering or joy as my life's review unfolded. I didn't say that something was bad or good, but I could feel it. I could sense all those things they were indifferent to. They didn't, for example, look down on my high school shut-put record. They just didn't feel anything towards it, nor towards the other things I'd taken so much pride in. What they responded to was how I'd interacted with other people. That was the long and short of it. Unfortunately, most of my interaction with other people didn't measure up with how I should have interacted, which was a loving way, in a loving way. Whenever I did react during my life in a, long, in a loving way, they rejoiced. Most of the time, I found that my interactions with other people had been manipulative. During my professional career, for example, I saw myself sitting in my office playing the college professor while a student came to me with a personal problem. I sat there looking compassionate and patient and loving while inside I was bored to death. I would check my watch under the desk as I anxiously waited for the student to finish. Uh, I got to go through all those kinds of experiences in the company of these magnificent beings. When I was a teacher, teacher my father's career put him into a high-stress 12-hour-a-day job. Out of my resentment because of his neglect of me, when he, when he came home from work, I would be cold and indifferent towards him. This made him angry, and it gave me further excuse to feel hatred towards him. He and I thought my mother would get upset. Most of my life, I had felt that my father was the villain and I was the victim. When we reviewed yeah. my life, go on then. What's that? This guy's like, it's, this guy's like, I think he's just using this death experience excuse as a framework just to basically tell his own life story. Isn't <laughs> <it>? <laughs> what a great guy he is. <laughs> when we reviewed my life, I got to see how he appreciate how he precipitated so much of that. How I had precipitated so much of that myself. Instead of greeting him happily at the end of the day, I was continually putting thorns in him in order to justify my hurt. I hurt myself today. Uh, when I got to see my sister, when I when I got to see when my sister had a bad night one night, how I went into her bedroom and put my arms around her, not saying anything, I just lay there with my arms around her. Okay, creepy, but okay. As it turned <laughs> out, that experience was one of the biggest triumphs of my life. The entire life's review would have been an emo would have been emotionally destructive and would have left me a psychotic person if if it hadn't have been for the fact that my friend and my friend's friends were loving me during the unfolding of my life. I could feel that love uh, right up the sphincter. Every time I got a little, little upset, they turned the life's review off for a while and they just loved me. Their love was tangible. You could feel it on your body, on your face, neck and chest. You could feel it inside you. Their love went right through you. I wish I could explain to you, but I can't. Not going to lie, mate. This is all sounding pretty gay, bro. Um, the therapy was their love because my life's review kept tearing me down. It was pitiful to watch, just pitiful. I couldn't believe it. And the thing is, it got worse as it went, as it went on. My stupidity and selfishness as a teenager only magnified as I became an adult. All under the veneer of being a good husband, a good father and a good citizen. The hypocrisy of it all was nauseating, but through it all was their love. When the review was finished, they asked, they said, they asked, do you want to ask any questions? And I had a million questions. I asked, for example, what about the Bible? <laughs> they responded, what about it? I asked if it was true and they said it was. Asking them why why it was that when I tried to read it, all I saw were contradictions. They took me back to my life's review again, something that I'd overlooked. They showed me for the few times I had opened the Bible that I had read it with the idea of finding contradictions and problems. I was trying to prove myself that it wasn't worth reading. It, it, this sounds a bit like all, all of the uh, one-star reviews for the new for the new seat um, 
for the new uh, She-Hulk series, doesn't it? Because <laughs> that's what the makers have been saying. Oh, you're just evil alt-right weirdos and you're just looking for stuff to moan about. Um, yeah, I don't know. It sounds like... It sounds like these, this and the last stories, it just sounds like Christian propaganda to me. <laughs> uh, I'd read it with the idea of finding contradictions and problems. I was trying to prove to myself that it wasn't worth reading. I observed to them that the Bible... I observed to them? Is that is that grammar right? That's not right, is it? I observed to them that the Bible wasn't clear to me. I observed to you that the whole fucking sentence structure isn't clear to me. It, it didn't no, make it... No, it, it, it works, kind of, but yeah. It's... it's not right, is it? He's trying to look clever. He's trying to look clever, but I observed it. No, observed is completely the wrong word, isn't it? You don't observe to someone. Yeah. You, make an, you, can, make an, you can make an observation... Yeah, I made an observation that the Bible wasn't clear to me. Or I explained to them the Bible wasn't clear to me. That's completely the wrong use of observe. It didn't make any sense, much like your use of the word observed. They told me that it contained a spiritual truth and that I had to read it spiritually in order to understand it. It should be read prayerfully. I don't think that's a word. My, my friends informed me that it was not like the other books. They also told me... <laughs> That I later found out, well, a bit like Michael Jackson when he said, I'm not like the other boys, um, in the thriller video. They also told me, and I later found out this was true, when you read it prayerfully, it talks to you, it reveals itself to you, and you don't have to work at it anymore. Oh, Maybe God. he's reading the wrong version, like their version's the one with the pictures in it. Yeah, he needs a chewy version of it, doesn't he? My friend answered lots of questions in funny ways. They really knew the whole tone of what I asked them even before I got the questions out. When I thought of the questions in my head, they really understood them. I asked them, for example, what which was the best religion. I was looking for an answer which was like Presbyterians. I figured these guys were all Christians. The answer I got was, the best religion is the religion that brings you closest to God. Asking them if there was life on other planets, their surprising answer was that the universe was full of life. Ugh. <coughs> uh, Fucking hell, this is a quite quite a tome, this isn't it? Uh, the future of the US and the world. Because of my fear of a nuclear holocaust, I asked if there was going to be a nuclear war in the world, and they said no. That astonished me, and I gave them this extensive explanation of how I'd lived under the threat of nuclear... This has got to be the 80s, isn't it? Threat of nuclear war. That was one of the reasons I was who I was. I figured I was in this life. It was all sort of hopeless. The world was going to blow up anyway. And nothing made much sense. In that context, I felt oh. I could do what I wanted since nothing mattered. They said... Did they, uh, did they say there was going to be a cannibal, a cannibal holocaust? <laughs> it's either the 80s or February of this year. <laughs> I said, I said, no, there isn't going to be any nuclear war, you stupid boy. Um, I asked if they were, if they were absolutely sure. <laughs> is, there going to be a, is, it, is there going to be a nuclear war? No. Are you sure there's not going to be a nuclear war? <laughs> they they reassured me again, and I asked them how they could be so sure. Their response was, God loves the world. They told me that, at the most, one or two nu nuclear weapons might go off accidentally if, if they weren't destroyed, but there won't be a nuclear war. Um, then I asked, it's definitely, I don't know, it might even be, 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 be before Hiroshima, mightn't it? Um, then I asked them, <laughs> does he not remember Hiroshima? 
Uh, then I then asked asked them how come there have been so many wars. They said they allowed those few to happen out of all the wars that humanity tried to start. Out of all the wars that humans tried to create, they allowed a few to bring people to their senses and stop them. Uh, well, that's worked. Um, science, technology and other benefits, they told me, had been gifts bestowed on humanity by them <coughs> through inspiration. People had literally been led to those discoveries, many of which had later been perverted by humanity to use for its own destruction. We could do too much. Well, what did they think was going to happen if they teach people how to make nuclear weapons? We could do too much. We could do too much damage to the planet. And by the planet, they meant all of God's creation, not just the people, but the animals, trees, birds, insects, everything. Um, How do they they put so much faith in humans when not realize how stupid when they do kind of uh, (laughs) when they do kind of let them down all the time? Uh, that that bit about the animals and the trees that reminds me of Predator 2 I watched it recently with um, what's his name Gary Busey because the tigers the bears oh my (laughs) (laughs) I love Gary Busey he's absolutely nuts he's fucking he's fucking minting that he's absolutely fucking oh what else did I watch Under Siege as well do you remember him in Under Siege when he's in the dress dancing is that the one where what's the name comes out of the cake? Yeah, Elrica Elenak, isn't it? That's it, yeah. Uh, they explained to me their concern was for all the people of the world. They weren't interested in one group getting ahead of other groups. They want every person to consider every person greater than their own flesh. They want everyone to love everyone else completely, more even than they love themselves. If someone's someplace else in the world hurts, then we should hurt. We should feel their pain and we should help them. Our planet has evolved to the point for the first time in our history that we have the power to do that. We are globally linked and we become could become one piece. Is this like our, is this like our heating bills going through the roof because of Ukraine? Is that what they're saying? No, when I say we're globally linked, so this is a fucking World Economic <laughs> Forum propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> it was visited. Seems visited. that the heating bills going through the roof was it was, vis- it was visited while it was visited while he was in a coma by Klaus Schwab, weren't he? <laughs> and they knew that Schwab had stolen the plans for Neuralink and then used it to put, <laughs> plant this memory in his head <laughs> the people that they gave the privilege of leading the world into a better age blew it, that was us in, in the United States and when I spoke with them about the future this might sound like a cop out on my part but they made it to clear to me that we have free will if we change the way we are then we can change the future which showed me they showed me a view of the future at the time of my experience based upon how we in the United States were behaving at that time. It was a future in which a massive worldwide depression could occur. Oh, is this before 2008? If we were to change our behaviour ever, then the future would be different. Asking them how it would be possible to change the course of many people, I observed that it was difficult, not impossible. Well done, you used it in the right, right context. It was difficult, <laughs> if not impossible, to change anything I, uh, I I, I on Earth, I expressed the opinion it was a hopeless task to try, but I think <laughs> but I think I might be able to do it by selling books and paintings, and T-shirts <laughs> and key rings. Um, my friends, my friends explained quite clearly that all it takes to make a change was one person, one person trying, and then because of that, another person changing for the better. They then they said that the only way to change the world was to begin with one person. One will become two, which become three, and so on, and that's the only way to effect a major change. 
I'm quite... pyramid things, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, fucking Amway's back. <laughs> I'm I'm quite as to where the world would be going in an optimistic future, the one where some of the changes they desired would take place. The image of the future they gave me then was was, and it was their image, not the one that I created. Surprised me. My image had pre- previously been sort of like Star Wars, where everything was space age, space age plastics and technology. <laughs> Fucking hell! Uh, why didn't he say Star Trek? Um, the future they so they showed me was almost no technology at all. What everybody, absolutely everybody in this euphoric sp- future spent most of their time doing was raising children. The chief concern of people was children, and everybody considered children to be the most precious commodity in the world. So the future is beautiful. The future. Yeah, Michael Jackson did, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and Jimmy Savile. I, yeah. I, I saw that meme recently the other day it's on this on this scale how much do you like children it was Kate and Jeremy Cam one end and Jimmy Savile the other <laughs> there's enormous there's this enormous sense of trust and mutual ex- respect if a person in this view of the future became disper- disturbed then the community of all people all cared about the disturbed person falling away for the holy of the group spiritually through prayer and love and the others would elevate the afflicted person what people did this is turned into a slog now what people did with the rest of their time was that they gardened with almost also almost no physical effort they showed me that plants with prayer could would produce huge fruits and vegetables uh dom can you do this experiment for us uh, what uh, just grow a couple of yeah. maras pray pray over one and tell the other to go fuck itself yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us which one gets biggest. Uh, people in unison could control the climate of the planet through prayer. This is def. This this is swaying. This is very Greta Thunberg, isn't it? <laughs> Everybody should work with mutual trust, and the people will call the rain when needed and the sun to shine. Animals live with people in harmony. Sounds like communism. It sounds like communism. <laughs> it's the allergy. <laughs> people in people in this best of all worlds weren't interested in knowledge they were interested in wisdom this is because well you know the difference between knowledge and wisdom don't you boys knowledge cool. knowledge, knowledge is known a tomato as a fruit uh, wisdom's not putting it in a fruit salad <laughs> good one this was because they were in a position where anything they needed to know was in the knowledge category where they could receive simply through prayer Everything to them was insolvable, or they could do anything they wanted. This sounds kind of like the the internet, doesn't it? It's a big land of bullshit, yeah. Well, if you want to know something, <laughs> you just look on the internet. No, they say it's through prayer. In this future, people had no wanderlust because they could spiritually communicate with everyone else in the world. There was no need to go elsewhere. They were so this is this is definitely fucking wef territory. They, they were so engrossed with what and where of the people around them, they didn't have to go on vacation. Vacation from what? They were completely fulfilled and happy. Death in this world was, was a time when the individual had experienced everything that he or she needed to experience. To die meant to lie down and let go. Then the spirit would rise up and the community would gather round. There would be great rejoicing because they had all had insight into the heavenly realm and the spirit would join with the angels that came down to meet it. They could see the spirit leave, and they knew knew that it was time for the spirit to move on. It had outgrown the need, need for growth in this world. Individuals who had died had achieved all they were capable of in this world in terms of love, appreciation, understanding, and working in harmony with others. 
the sense I got of this beautiful view was that it was of the world's future was as a garden, God's garden. And in this garden mm. of the world, full of beauty, were people. The people were born into this world to grow into their understanding of the Creator, then to shed this skin, this shell, in the physical world, and to graduate, to move up to heaven there, to have a more intimate and growing relationship with God. God really does sound like Jimmy Savile in this, doesn't he? <laughs> well, I, I think, yeah. I mean, have you seen um, a Zeus? Um his backstory he was like the god of the Greeks wasn't he and oh, he, he was like wrong one, he? he was just he was just raping everyone left right and centre <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the future of the human you know the, notes in Howard Storm's book My Descent into Death Storm describes the future of the United States as given to him by light beings he encountered during his NDE in 1985 I, I think I'm somewhere near the end now I hope um <laughs> Howard Storm recorded how his light being friends told him in 1985 that the Cold War would soon end because God is changing the hearts of people to love around the world. Storm states, since the time in 1985 when I was told these things about the future, the Cold War, about the future, the Cold War ended with little bloodshed due to the hearts of people being un unwilling, unwilling to tolerate oppressive regimes. Storm described... It was the 80s. Yeah, so it is the 80s then. Uh, oh, yeah, 1985. So why did Gremlins Two would have been out by then? Why? Uh, no, nineteen eighty-five <laughs> was about the time of. Um, nineteen eighty-five is Back to the Future. To the future. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, no, Empire Strikes Back was about eighty-one, wasn't it? Oh, that's right. No, the Jedi, wouldn't it? And the Jedi then. Yeah. Yeah. Storm describes what the light beings told him concerning the way, the way things will be on Earth in about 2185. He asked the light beings the question, will the United States be the leader of the world in this, in this change? Light beings replied, the United States has been given the opportunity to be the teacher for the world, but much is expected of those to whom much has been given. The United States has been given more of everything than any country in the history of the world, and it has failed to be generous with the gifts. If the United States continues to exploit the rest of the world by greedily consuming the world's resources, the United States will have got God's blessing withdrawn. Your country will collapse economically, which will result in civil chaos. Because of the greedy nature of people, you will have people killing people for a cup of gasoline. And the world will watch in horror as your country is obliterated by strife. The rest of the world will not intervene because they have been victims of your exploitation. They will welcome the annihilation of such selfish people. The United States... Uh, Russian propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> the United States must change immediately and become the teachers of goodness and generosity to the rest of the world. Today, the United States is the primary merchant of war and the culture of violence that you export to the world. This will come to an end because you have the seeds of your own destruction within you. Either you will destroy yourselves or God will bring it to an end if there isn't a change. Storm states, I don't know if the richest country in the history of the world is doomed to lose God's blessing or if the people of the United States will become moral, the moral light in the world. How long will God allow the injustice to continue? The future lies in the choices we make right now. God is intervening in direct ways in human events. May God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Howard Storm's light, light being friends told him more about the new world to come. According to them, God wished to usher in the kingdom within the next 200 years. In, in, so 
In order to do so, God had rescinded some of the free will given to creatures in favour of more divine control over human events. This new world order, oh, according to Howard, will resemble some near-death descriptions of he heaven. People will live in such peace and harmony and love that communication will be t telepathic, travel instantaneous, and the need for clothing and shelter eliminated. The lion Sounds will need to lie down with the lamb. Just like the World Economic Forum website. Have you seen it? All yeah, that, yeah. Um, you will own nothing and you will be happy. Howard <laughs> <laughs> uh, Storm learns what happens out of fucking hell. How much more of this shit have I got to read? <laughs> God. Um, he kept up a Howard Storm with this one. Oh, fucking hell. A Howard Storm with a teacup. <laughs> um, I can't read any more of this. It's... Uh, Oh, Howard, here we go. Howard Storm learns he must return to Earth. Oh, yeah, there we go. I'll just skip the Howard... I'll skip the Howard Storm yeah. learns what happens Come, after death bit. Go to the bit where he, where he comes back into reality. Yeah, Howard Storm learns he must return to Earth. Not being yeah. ready to face the Earth again, I told him I wish to be with them forever. I said, I'm ready. Ready to be like you. Be here and be here forever. Knew they loved me. Uh, they explained to me I was underdeveloped. Oh, it's fucking, oh. <laughs> he's just had people fucking ragging on him about the size of his dick all day, hasn't he? It's been fucking shit for him, poor lad. Um, you can get one of those like suction tube things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not my bag, I, I baby. With a pump, it's a that's pump, to, isn't it? That's someone totally told not, me. Someone told me. That's not. Pump thing, that's not yeah. mine, baby. Do you remember that from yeah. uh, Austin Powers? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, friend said, "Do you expect? Uh, do you think we expect you to be perfect?" I asked him, what about my own sense of failure? Uh, and then he said, I'm not going back. They said, there are people to care about you, your wife, children, mother and father. You should go back for them. Your children need your help. I said, you can help me. If you make me go back there, go back there are things that won't work. Um, uh, he's just he's just like, oh, no, I'm too bad. I'm too evil. Um, uh, they assured me that mistakes are acceptable part of being human. Um, but I said, make mistakes make me feel bad. They said, we love you the way you are, mistakes and all. Turn inward, they said, just ask for our love and we'll give it if you if you ask from the heart. Uh, if you your to... ask from the heart. Yeah, if you ask, ask from the heart. Never go ask to heart. Um, <laughs> they, advised, they advised me to recognise it when I made a mistake and ask for forgiveness. They replied, "What do you want? You do what you want to do. That means making choices, and there isn't necessarily any right choice." Uh, he kept going on about he didn't want to go back to Earth to his wife and kids. Um, well, the Lumis beings, my teachers, were very convincing. I was also acutely aware that not far away was the great being, and I knew he, and I, I knew to be the creator. They said they never said he wants he wants it this way, but it was implied behind everything they said. Um, presenting my biggest argument against coming back into the world, I told them it would break my heart and I would die if I had to leave them and their love. Oh, God. Uh, they said, you won't be away from us. We're with you. Uh, Anytime you need us, we'll be there for you. I said, you mean like you'll just appear? They said, no, no, we're not going to intervene in your life in any big way unless you need us. 
Um, <coughs> after that experience, uh, after that explanation, I ran out of arguments and I said I could go back. Just like that. Oh, he's got back. his own Pokemon, basically. Yeah. Summon them whenever he wants. Yeah. Uh, returning to life wasn't easy for Storm. In addition to his physical problems, he had to face the usual array of uncomprehending and insensitive responses to his new spiritual condition. It began in the hospital where, where it said Howard states, I felt this overwhelming sense of love for everyone. I want to hu- wanted to hug and kiss everyone. But I just couldn't. But I couldn't even sit up. I would say, "Oh, you're so beautiful to anyone and everyone, even children, probably." Uh, I was the joke <laughs> of the floor. People found it very amusing. Uh, so People thought I was a sex pest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just wanted to hug and kiss any anyone and everyone. Love is love. Oh dear. Go on, then, Ian. Your turn. All right. Good. All right. Oh yeah. I was looking at one actually. Uh, we won't do that one. Before you start one. on that, mm, yeah. found a, um, a short quote that yeah. kind of perfectly boils down the whole um, thing of um, out-of-body experience. NDEs. Um, yeah. so it's local brain regions go offline one after another. Find whose substrate is whichever neurons remain intact does what it always does it tells a story shaped by a person's experience memory and cultural expectations that's good to little that summary in a nutshell i don't know he had a yeah but he wasn't religious and he had a religious experience yeah but uh wasn't religious but he had he would have experienced religion in his life as part of his culture that's where he got the idea from. Yeah. Possibly. And religion sells books, doesn't it? So he was on to a, onto a winner. And paintings. Mm. Keychains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all right. Then. I'm not going to go on for uh, uh, too long with this one, but I found one here for, um, let's see, uh, where is it? Uh, George Ritchie's near-death experience. So... In 1943, at the age of 20, Dr. George Ritchie uh, was a private in the Army stationed in Texas, awaiting transfer to Richmond to study medicine at the Medical College of Virginia to become a doctor for the military. However, he got sick with pneumonia and died. Uh, The Army physician in charge stated uh, in a naturalized statement that the medical officer summoned, uh, detected no evidence of respiration or cardiac impulse and declared Richie dead. Richie had left his body in a near-death experience wandering around the hospital uh, looking at into the women's shower room probably um, unaware that he was dead. Um, he found it strange that no one could see him. He returned to his room and recognized his lifeless body which had been covered with a sheet. Uh, uh, the room then became bright, and Richie found himself in the presence of Jesus. Oh, for fuck's sake. He then guided <laughs> him one. through... Yeah, here we fucking go. Uh, he <laughs> then guided him room through several realms of afterlife before being told to return to his body, as the ward was preparing Richie's body for the morgue, so, you know... You don't, you don't want to wake... You don't want, they, you don't want to wake up when you're in your coffin underground, do you? 
he thought that he detected movement in Richie's chest and called for a medical officer who provided a shot of adrenaline to the patient's heart, causing him to breathe and his heart to beat. Richie then returned to life with one of the most important and profound NDEs ever documented. So, ever. Uh, let's have a look. So, here we go. So, a verified evidence of Richie's out-of-body experience. Um, a major feature of Richie's NDE was extensive out-of-body experience at the beginning. His ob observations have enormous implications because they have been verified by a third party. NDE expert, I've never heard of that job before, Robert Mays, <laughs> has investigated and verified details of Richie's out-of-body observations. While out of his body, Richie travelled to a distant location, 523 miles away. It's a bit specific, isn't it? Mm. And saw details of an unfamiliar area very accurately, which is most strikingly... What is most striking is the location of the cafe that Richie saw. From the likely station hospital door appears to be exactly due east, and the location blinking caught the lights Richie saw also at this precise latitude. Indeed, the maximum deviation of the hospital from the Vicksburg uh, to Vicksburg could have been only 0.6 seconds of arc, or 2,900 feet over 523 miles of travel. Uh, the fact that three aspects of Richie's account have likely uh, have likely correlates at the same exact latitude, occurring at a widely spaced interviews, and that Richie reports having travelled east strongly suggests that his flight was objective, albeit an, an unusual event. Much more evidence uh, about Robert May's investigation can be read in this article, which is fucking huge, and I'm not going to do that, <laughs> to be honest. I'm not entirely sure what I've read for the last two paragraphs. But, um, yeah, Richie's vision of the future. So, um, in Richie's book, Return from Tomorrow... Do you sell paintings there. and T-shirts as well? Yeah, no, just books. But he's written quite a few books, uh, which describes his near-death experience, was published in 1985. This was approximately 42 years after his experience. Ooh. So, since Jesus told him he had 45 years and it took 42 years until Richie's book was published it may have been assumed that Jesus had not meant for Richie to publish his testimony within 45 years or it took him 42 years to become a bit skint and think shit what can oh, I do to make lazy. yeah um, Richie saw increasing natural disasters on earth yes hurricanes floods earthquakes volcanoes that happens anyway. New you York don't need flooding. to be... New, New York yeah. flooding by 20, 2008. Yeah. What, what, was it, um, what was it? What uh, was it? What's his name predicted? Uh, Al Gore. Any chance? He said uh, He said New York could be underwater by 2004 or something, didn't he? Mm. Uh, anyway, family splitting. Well, that happens. It is 2020. No, 2022, you know. Mm. Uh, and governments are breaking apart because of people thinking only of themselves. Armies marching on the US from the south. Selfish bleeders. He also saw explosions occurring all over the world of a magnitude beyond our capacity that can, we can imagine. 
Uh, he told that if they continued, human life as we know it will not exist, which is very similar to the guy that you just explained, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, profound ex- effects of Richie's NDA. That goes on for pages. I'll give that a miss. Skip over that. Um, brief summary of Richie's NDE is... Um, um, uh, you can read his entire no, oh you can read entire his in his entire NDE testimony in his book Return from Tomorrow. So that's what it says there. Just trying to Welcome flog his book. To the world of tomorrow. Yeah, so bloody bloody blast on that. Uh his gui- guided tour of the earthbound realm with Jesus. No, actually it's not too bad. Yeah, following his testimony. Jesus began to take Richie on a journey through various realms of the afterlife. They they fly they flew towards a large city on Earth together. So um, he flew with a man who they uh, like, had a big. They would like have their arms out in a T bone. Mm. Yeah, holding the, hands. Yeah. And Richie would, and one of them had a dress on, big mustache, <laughs> and hung around with a group of men. So. Uh, Anyway, uh, they witnessed the spirit of a woman trying desperately to grab a cigarette from workers who were obviously uh, oblivious to her presence. Okay. Uh, This woman had died uh, severely addicted to cigarettes and was now cut off from the one thing she desperately desired the most. There you go, eh? Richie realised how spirits in these realms immediately... Uh, knew the thoughts of other spirits around them, and this is the reason they tend to group together, you know, ganging up on people with other spirits. Uh, it's all too threatening to be around others who knew and disagree with their thoughts. So, it's a bit like um, football casual spirits, you know, you're either in one group or the other. Uh, uh-huh. Some they of them form, carry a... Yeah. form up in gangs now. <laughs> you're with, like, Pringle sweaters and uh, Adidas trainers and... Uh, you know, cause aggro uh, outside the ground. But yeah, you get the idea. There's shitloads of stuff on this. I'm not going to go into it, but uh, you get the idea with, um, with Richie anyway. I'll find a couple you know. more negative ones. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, speaking of negative ones, yeah, um, they've been categorised. Three varieties of distressing near-death experiences. Mm. The, um, I'll just quickly skip through this before. Uh, there's uh, inverse NDE. Um, um, features usually reported in other NDEs as pleasurable, mm. perceived as hostile or threatening. And there's the void NDE. Um, where people just have this experience, this uh, advanced empty, uh, uh, emptiness and devastating feelings of being alone and all So the atheism the atheism one then isn't it? And the hellish NDE. Yeah. And people like yeah, feeling like they're in hell, really. Yeah. They've been, they've been sort of categorized as well. But yeah. Uh... Thought that'd be an interesting little aside. Uh, how about this one then? Liz Rogers from North L- North London had a similar experience in 19... 19- I'll read the others in a bit. But 
I was in the cinema with a friend queuing for our tickets when I realised I was about to faint. There was a deafening buzzing in my ears like a huge hive of bees, a horrific noise that persisted throughout the experience. I couldn't see anything, but I felt as though I was falling at speed through a wide tunnel. I was gripped by a deep, petrifying fear such as I'd never felt before, around, uh, as though all around me was evil. Everywhere was darkness, and the only thing I was able to do was scream, which I did as loud as my lungs would allow me. And as, as hard as I tried to resist the falling sensation, some force or something I couldn't see was pulling me down into the unknown. Then my mind seemed to explode, and I could see patches of red like blood interspersed with black. As soon as I opened my eyes, I told my friends I thought I'd died, but he told me later I'd let out two blood-curdling streams, screams, then stopped breathing. Luckily, he knew mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation start my work my, my lungs working again uh what else there's a couple more here uh in april 1997 a retired cid officer named joyce harvey had a massive asthma attack and was immediately taken to colchester general infirmary but she spent a week in intensive care i got i got sat up on the chair opposite my bed and started reading a book Within minutes, I felt completely paralysed, unable to even blink. Then everything went dark, and I was gripped by a sensation of falling at high speed. There are terrible noises, discordant notes and screaming. I could see thousands of faces without bodies with beneath me. They were trying to pull me down further and further. I was terrified. Miss Harvey says, then she, says she felt she was dying and fought to, fought to come back to life. Suddenly, I was coming back up in the lift, and the nurse was standing in front of me, she said. Uh, and then... What about Hemingway's, Hemingway's oh, yeah. well, experience? I've got I've got one more negative one. Seems to be women quite a lot. So I'm not <clears> saying anything <throat> about women. Uh, so another another case by uh, from this guy called Dr. Lawrence Tracy Thornton. She's a media media studies student. Three years ago, I suffered terrible head injuries in a car accident. I was in a coma at Edinburgh General Hospital for 10 days. My family was told I only had a 50-50 chance of survival and kept a round-the-clock bedside vigil. After about six days, I came round very briefly, only to be plunged into something far worse than any nightmare. At first, all I could see was complete darkness, then a white light enveloped me. To begin with, I was... I was filled with a sense of peace and comfort, then my entire body was gripped by an indescribable terror. Out of the light appeared hundreds of small faces like fetuses, whose features are not yet fully formed. They floated down and surround me. Although they didn't have bodies, they were threatening and deeply sinister. Sounds like the classic alien, the greys. Yeah, probably all those mm. probably all those abortions she'd had, dirty bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh which one do Hemingways now? Yeah, a quick one, a bite-sized one we can do is, I was just looking at the bustle site there, and yep. uh, it says, Oh, hey, fun fact. Ernest Hemingway had a near-death experience during the First World War. He referred to it in a letter he wrote to his family whilst he was convalescing in Milan from a shrapnel wound dated the 18th of October 1918. The letter included a tidbit, uh, which... Um, <laughs> Which basically um, said all the heroes are dead, all the real heroes' appearance, dying is a very simple thing. I've looked at death, and I really know. Um, he later <coughs> described, described to a friend what he experienced. Um, a big Austrian trench mortar bomb of the type that used to be called Ashkans exploded into the darkness. I then died. I felt my soul or something coming right out of my body. Like you pull a silk handkerchief 
out of your pocket uh, by one corner. It flew around the room and then came back and went in again. And I wasn't dead anymore. Classic Hemingway. And there you go. So yeah, you didn't go into too much. You didn't go as, into as much detail as that guy you went on about there, uh, Hobbit. But that was Hemingway's experience. Yeah, yeah. Not as civilized as Hemingway. I just grab my silk pocket. I don't grab it by the corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, right. So, do you want to do you want to do some more do some more of these, or do you want to do something else? Uh, could expand on the um, the the uh, distressing ones. They're yeah, less, can do. Less some with I've got some um, blood and guts and that. Yeah, expansions on the different, you know, the three different types. So um, these are some inverse NDE experiences. And thrown from his horse, found himself floating at treetop height, watching emergency medical technicians working over his body. Oh no, this isn't right, he screamed. Put me back. He did not hear him. As he was shooting through darkness towards a bright light, flashing past shadowy people who seemed to be deceased family members waiting. He was panic-stricken by the bizarre scenario and his inability to affect what was happening. A woman in childbirth felt her spirit separate from her body and fly into space at tremendous speed. She saw a small ball of lightning rushing towards her. And bigger and bigger as it came towards me, I realised we were on a collision course and it terrified me. I saw the blinding white light come right to me and engulf me. The woman collapsed from hypothermia and began re-experiencing her entire life. I was filled with such sadness and experienced a great deal of depression. Yeah, those are the sort of directly negative ones. And then there's the void ones. Woman in childbirth found herself abruptly flying over the hospital and into deep empty space. Group of circular entities informed her she never existed, that she had been allowed to imagine her life, but it was a joke. She was not real. She argued with facts about her life and descriptions of Earth. No, they said. None of that has ever been real. This is all there ever was. She was left alone in space. The woman in childbirth. Oh, this is. This is. Uh, yeah. building herself floating on water but at a certain point it was no longer a peaceful feeling it become pure hell i had become a light out in the heavens and i was screaming the sound was going forth worse than any nightmare i was spinning around and i realized that this was eternity this was what forever was going to be i felt the aloneness the emptiness of space the vastness of the universe except for me a mere ball of light screaming mm. A woman who attempted suicide felt herself sucked into a void. I was being drawn into the dark abyss or tunnel or void. I was not aware of my body as I know it. I was terrified. Or terror. I had expected nothingness. I expected the big sleep. I expected oblivion. And now that I was going to another plane and it frightened me. I wanted nothingness, but this force was pulling me somewhere I didn't want to go. But I never got beyond the fog. And a man who was attacked by a hitchhiker felt himself rise out of his body. Suddenly was surrounded by total blackness, floating in nothing but black space. No up, no down, left or right. It seemed like an eternity went by. I fully 
lived in this misery. I was only allowed to think and reflect. And then blue examples of the hellish type as well. Woman was being escorted through a frighteningly desolate landscape and saw a group of wandering spirits. They looked lost and in pain, but her guide indicated she was not allowed to help them. Atheistic university professor with an intestinal rupture experienced being maliciously pinched, then torn apart by malevolent beings. Woman who hemorrhaged from a ruptured fallopian tube reported an NDE involving horrific beings with grey gelatinous appendages grasping and clawing at me. The sound of their guttural moaning and the indescribable stench still remain 41 years later. There was no benign being of light, no life video, nothing beautiful or pleasant. And uh, finally, a woman who attempted suicide felt her body sliding downward in a cold, dark, watery environment. When I reached the bottom, it resembled the entrance to a cave with what looked like webs hanging. I heard cries, wails, moans and the gnashing of teeth. I saw these beings that resembled humans with the shape of a head and a body, but they were ugly and grotesque. They were frightening and sounded like they were tormented in agony. So yeah, there you mm. go. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you can... Um, the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation uh, identifies it, its website as a free public service meant to research and study consciousness experience and to spread the message of love, unity and peace around the world. And uh, it documents self-reported stories that could be NDE and attempts to classify them. A lot, a lot of these stories are quite arresting. Um, in one, for example, a man identified as John D., described being in a car crash during his job as a water meter reader. He had an out-of-body experience seeming to hover about 10 feet in the air over his body, during which he was able to see the arrival of the ambulance. Uh, then he says he went on to place a place that was foggy, but not foggy. Uh, at one point he heard someone say, do we know the next of kin? Here's how he described the next moments. I was... Um, against the wall of the emergency room with a sheet over my head. I sat up and said, I can tell you, a nurse with a back to me screamed, dropped the tray of things she was carrying on the floor, and a doctor ran over to me and answered his, and I answered his questions like who I was and who my wife was and my father's phone number and my mother's maiden name. He then passed out and... Um, came to two days later there you go mm -hmm. so you can go on to the near-death experience website there's a club you can put you can join if you have one uh they have meetings and shit and yeah and uh read up on that it's pretty good eh yeah not bad. Nice. do you want to uh do you want to carry on talking what? about ndes or do you want to talk about something else for a bit uh well yeah which we um what's in the news what's... I sign up to their website website and start like making up stories. Yeah, well they can't <laughs> prove you haven't had one. And, uh... <laughs> they can't they can't prove you haven't had one and I would think most of the people who have signed up to the website haven't had them, so they're just saying it. So uh Hulk yeah. Hogan was there and, and there was yeah, a man yeah, with yeah. a cake on his head. <laughs> so that's Rocky Three, isn't it? 
<laughs> Which was on last week, and Rocky fights Hulk Hogan. Do you see that? We've seen. Oh that? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mr. T is in it. Jember, Jember, so. uh, no, no old's bad. Which was a wrestling movie with Hulk Hogan and uh, Mike Zeus <laughs> in it. Do you remember that one? Can't say I. I like Rocky, and that's where I saw him. He I keeps telling all the blokes in it. You got a teeny whiner. <laughs> I remember Mr. Nanny. Oh God, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen many of uh, Hulk Hogan's movies. I know, and um, his um, daughter was. Well, now he's now he's been banned, hasn't he? Because his daughter was uh, dating the black guy, and um, someone recorded him venting his disapproval. Yeah, yeah, so he didn't he didn't like that at all, so and uh and then he apologized but it was too late. So. Well I was just I was just having to flick through spooky aisles. Do you wanna talk about Birkenhead's Bidston Hill? As every yeah, has had everything from murders, Satanists, a werewolf and UFOs haunt its beautiful surrounds, says guest writer That's Lauren right. Jones. That's the sort of place we need to have our uh... It's like the uh it's like the uh the the Scouse version of Canic Chase. You reckon we should go have a wander around oh, Canic Chase? See if we can find um see if we can have an interview with uh, the Scouse version of the Scouse version. Yeah. The Scouse version will have a uh, purple Aki there as well, won't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, purple Aki or uh, uh, Stan Collymore. Stan Collymore if you... we go if we go Canic Chase. Do you watch the do you watch Sean Atwood on YouTube? Do you know that guy? Uh, no, I've watched the odd episode here and there. Yeah, he does a lot of crime and that, and uh, he has like prison wardens, crime experts, psychologists, and all that. And you know, and he's he, he's he and there's, there's, he has quite a few people who do know Purple Aki, and he tried to get he's tries to get Purple Aki on his channel. That would be a good um, that would be a good coup, wouldn't it? Yeah, we should yeah. try and get Purple Aki on this channel get for an interview. Well, we've already done an yeah. episode on him. We're we're here, Purple Aki. Just yeah, if you know biceps. Well, actually, that's the way to do it. I don't know. I've not got very. I've not got biceps, but we need to get a guy. Yeah. And uh, a guy with biceps, maybe slip him a few quid to 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 tempt Purple Aki onto the channel. We'll get a lot of views as well if we can do that. So, predominantly belonging to the Birkenhead suburb of Bidston, mm. Bidston Hill is one of the highest points in Wirral and arguably the most haunted. Upon the mm. hill, there lie three buildings: the windmill, observatory, and lighthouse. All boding sincere, sincere tales from the past. Yeah. Should that be sinister? Is that a typo? Must be. Yeah. Not heard sincere <laughs> tales. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, not quite right. Building its reputation around grisly murders, covens, and UFOs, the site, two hundred thirty-four feet above sea level, has been as as boasted. Has boasting has boasted numerous uh, sightings uh, uh. of the unknown over the years, with the most recent recorded sighting last year. So, a local legend said a said a werewolf prowls the hill. Born mm. born born the son of Bidston Hill's first miller and his lover, a local married woman. When the event inevitable occurred, she remained at the hill, hiding her pregnancy as best she could. A healthy boy was born, but unfortunately, his mother passed away, leaving her grieving lover with their child. As time went on, the miller grew further away from his, from the child, who then began to survive off of the surrounding land, supposedly becoming animalistic. Over the years, there have been many attempts to eradicate Bidston of its werewolf, yet it remains with its blood-curdling howl, which is still heard today. 
There are a lot of uh, feral children in the Liverpool area, though, aren't there? Oh, yeah. So, friendly estates and that. So, the uh, murders so, of yeah. Bidston Hill. This location also played host of Groost, played a host of Groost, played host to... Groost. No, it's it's not that. It's the fucking sentence construction. This this location has also played a host of group, played a gruesome. host of gruesome murders. Played home oh, to wait, a, wait, wait. it's played home to a host of gruesome murders. Yeah, it, it's, it's had a lot of gruesome murders. Yeah, there's been a lot of gruesome murders in that area. Yeah, yeah. I just I'll, I'll sort your sentence out for you, love. Um, most notably that of the Williams family. Let, let's just name check her again. It's. Uh, it's Lauren Jones. Lauren Jones, sort your fucking sentence structure out. Never heard of her. Uh, uh, five members of the Williams family, Mother Emily Williams and her four children, were all discovered mm. buried within the cellar of a building situated near Bidston Hall. When investigating the grisly discovery, police quickly turned their suspicions onto the missing father, who had seemingly, seemingly survived the ordeal. What do you mean, seemingly survived the ordeal? He the other a fucking dinner, he didn't. Mm-hmm. What, he, he, he was, was dead, but he looked alive? Is that, that's what... <laughs> and he was still claiming benefits, I bet. Uh, he was still claiming benefits for the, for the kids. <laughs> for the kids. Seemingly, <laughs> seemingly survived the ordeal. Digging further, it became clear that his strange man had lived under a number of different aliases in his lifetime. Exactly and was suspected of killing his previous wife, Marie. At the time, journalists had compared Mr. Williams to Jack the Ripper. Some were convinced he was, in fact, the notorious serial killer. I'm going to use that word more often, seemingly. Yeah, seemingly Seemingly alive. Seemingly all right. How are you? (laughs) Um, But, um, but Dom, is there a ghost in the pub you work in, then? Oh, it's got 200 years of history. But uh, no, there must be one then. No mention of a ghost. So, well, that's shit. Can't you I'm make sure one up? A nearby ghost, yeah. a nearby ghost pub. Yeah. See, see if you can create a tulpa, Dom. Just make up a story about a ghost and see if you can, see if you can get, get, get the members of staff to uh, make it to create a ghost. A bit of, and yeah, I've done that before. Put a bit of fishing wire around a pint glass on the, on the bar <laughs> and then pull it. At, Get it on CCTV. Uh, <laughs> actually, they, I can see the, the cameras, so I can, as I do. Yeah. <laughs> Put it on YouTube. <laughs> or make a million bucks. So, darker secrets lie underground with Bidston Hill sitting on top of a number of tunnels used wor- used during World War Two, now sealed for public safety. It is said the tunnels once connected the houses of witches within with the cellar of Bidston Hall acting as their meeting point. Local mm-hmm. folklore states that a couple reportedly found 12 members of the coven hanging from branches within a clearing upon the hill after a young Christian man, Sam Holleran, Failed to rid the area of witches. You know, if you're going to do something, do it yourself. That's what I say. As well as witchcraft, there's been a long history of satanic worship taking place upon the hill. Satanist and suspected murderer Richard Tilly is reportedly buried close to the windmill. And over the years, there have been many tales of Tilly's seemingly seemingly zombie-like ghost (laughs) rising from the grave. I just thought I'd add seemingly in there. Arising from the grave on a, <laughs> on a clear moonlit night, terrorising women who dare to cross the hill after dark. Uh, Although it could just be a rapist. Um, sightings of a black dog have always also been noted by groups who have dared, who have dared antagonising the spirit of Tilly. Also becoming a hotspot for UFO sightings, Bidston Hill 
plays host to a number of strange phenomena which anyone can go and sample for themselves. A popular mm. spot for ramblers in the daytime, Bidston Hill hosts absolutely beautiful views but possesses a sinister past. And also when you get back yeah. to your car, all the windows will be smashed and it'll be empty. Yeah. When they say, when they say black, is it black dogging they do there? No, black dogging. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I'll be back in a sec. I've I observed to you that I've seemingly run out of beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there are these spots around the country, though, aren't there? Where you yeah, that's um, Spooky Isles. Uh, one of the links is in mm. there. Just go to the home. Like, you can pick areas of England and then have a look at yeah. what, what's around. Where there's a concentration of Fortean phenomena. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Um... I wonder if... Uh... Yeah, but I think Canuck Chase is the um, is the most uh, is the hot spot. And then, uh, yeah, Staffordshire. I did have a bit. It was a Bigfoot story I put in the chat. Did I have I lost it? Where that is where someone recorded, um, someone recorded Bigfoot's hell. Where is that recently? Um, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, there's the Pigman on Canuck Chase as well, isn't there? Pigman, yeah, man, pig big pigman. Uh, no, that would be. Uh, um, you've got various men. There's lizard man as well. That's in America. So, uh, which I think was based on the creature from the Black Lagoon. Which, uh, but no, that has been spotted as well. And we did cover that some time ago. We we did do the mystery creatures of America. But uh, where's that? Foot story, mate. There, bear with me. Yeah, so, um, so what is on unexplained mysteries? What have we got there? Then let's well, have a look there. Nothing really interesting. No, nothing new. Esca escaped oh. alpacas spark Loch Ness monster sightings. Oh yeah, in the right shape. Look yeah. for it. Uh, so, back in the early 20th century, a group of elements, elephants from a travelling circus went for a swim in Loch Ness. Oh, God, yeah. With their trunks protruding from the water, and wary observers believed they had seen the Loch Ness monster. And now, nearly 100 years later, something similar has happened again. This time, however, the animals in collect question were not elephants, they were alpacas. Didn't we see the alpaca place last time you did Loch Ness? Alpaca? What was... I'm trying to think. When you saw, did, uh, you were when you did your photos. Saw, when you did your photos, saw, when you went there, saw Dolly the sheep pumping myself. Yeah, I thought we, I thought you we, had a bit. I thought it was right. It was right next, to, right next to it, the alpaca farm. Don't know. I know that must be something else. We oh, saw right. Dolly the sheep, which was the nearest yeah. thing to an alpaca I can think of in that yeah. program, and we had a deep fried Mars uh, bar, but. So it turned out uh, they'd escaped the last week from any nearby farm and gone for a walk along the shoreline, much to the surprise of locals and tourists alike. They thought in some sort it was the monster, did they? Well, when one of the animals decided to wade out into the water, the sight of its long neck, neck protruding from the surface looked decidedly like oh, one of the most famous images of the Loch Ness Monster. Caused, caused a sensation. Yeah. No, it's true that the elephants, they do say that the elephants used to go swimming in, in the lock. Um, 
in the 1930s when you would have traveling circuses, but uh, I'm not sure how common it was. And also, okay, all right, you look into the log and see a long and an elephant swimming with its uh, trunk above the water. Wow, look at that long necked dinosaur. But then you think, hang on, why is there a clown stood on the shoreline? A strong man. Clown. A lady with a yeah, you know, because the with the circus would let their oh, right. yeah, yeah. yeah would let their um would let their um elephants go swimming in the lock. So and new ev- new evidence suggests Howard Carter stole King Tut relics. I thought that was a I thought I thought he was I thought everybody always knew that his his uh, little dig yeah, was, was a bit dodgy. You're gonna pocket something, aren't you? So that might, that might be a good episode for you to do, Ian. Howard Carter. King Tut. Uh, yeah. All these, all, these, all these people in their 80s kept dying. So, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, uh, yeah. That's Weird. very. Weird. It, it is. So it was so. Uh, what, what would happen do? in a circus freak show if they all like came down with the disease and died and. The rest of the circus team decided to bury a circus freak show in this one graveyard. Do you yeah. think archaeologists would make of it? Like <laughs> it is later. I think <laughs> it's there weird was... alien subspecies. Which... <laughs> I think there was a. There is a grave. I think there was a. There's a graveyard somewhere. It was very a bit vague in my mind, but where a train crashed and with a circus on it, and then in this graveyard there is a lot of graves for. Um, Circus, circus shit going on. Um, don't know did, if you want the. Monkey, if like... Did the monkey in Hartlepool get a proper grave? Because that'll be interesting when they an uh, spy. Yeah. yeah, the one that was hanged. The French um, spy. Yeah, the French spy. That one. You want to uh, just put a picture in the chat there, Hemi? Don't want to stick that up. The it cat. Have a look. The it cat. What's that in general? I put down the the general or the NDE chat. You should uh, do a the um if. We should go go to the monkey in Hartlepool cave and do a weed. Yeah, the, with a take take some bananas with us. <laughs> so someone's calling it the it cat, are they? That's the it cat, isn't it? Uh, not quite, not quite yet. Hold on. Can you not see it? No, I've, I've seen I've seen it. I'm just uh, I'm just putting it up. Oh uh, yeah, just let the people at home see that one. Yeah, them something to uh, amuse them. Next camp at Cannot Chase, Ian. Yeah, that's what the viewers say. Like to, yeah. Once I get things sorted, you know, just a bit. Of, things are a bit up in the air at the moment. Just once I get into a routine, <laughs> you know, start uh, trying to get to some other uh, fourteen locations. Um, there you go. Look, see it, the it cat. Um, <laughs> but there's who knows going to camp at Cannot Cannot Chase. He can do a bit of dogging but... while he's there, is he? Uh, or a bit of cat in, but uh, but yeah, I'm. At, uh, there's a channel called CFZ TV, uh, Center for Fourteen Zoology TV. Yeah, um, that up on YouTube if you want to, uh, viewers. And I'm on there talking about Frank Searle this Saturday at three p.m. So tune in if you You've already been on a couple of times, haven't you? I have, yeah. I'm actually on. I seem to be on every Saturday at the moment. I can think that I'm gonna I'm doing some an, another recording, another one because they don't. It's not like this. It's not live, so we can if we yeah. mess up, 
we messed up that we just recorded again. So just yeah. sort of segments, but I've done a few. So yeah, so I'm, uh, I think they're going to get a bit sick of me soon. So I'm probably going to do the last one, film the last one this uh, Sunday. I'll probably play it. Yeah, I don't want to, you know. But no, it's good, this one. It's a two-parter um, on Frank Searle. Going to a bit more depth, but uh, it's basically what we've done. We'll, we'll finish weeks. We'll finish on this one because it's right right up your street. Map shows evidence of long-lost Welsh Atlantis. Have you heard of this mm. one? Can't say I have, no. Uh, legendary lost land once thought to exist in Cardigan Bay has shown up on an old 13th century map of the British Isles. Legend of... Atlantis certainly needs no introduction, but there exist several other lesser-known legends of a similar nature in countries all over the world that continue to remain similarly elusive. One of these is Cantreguelod. I'm sure that's uh, that one. Is it Welsh? Yeah. A landmass... A landmass once thought, once thought to exist off the coast of Wales. Historians mm. have been searching for accounts of this so-called Welsh Atlantis. Well, it's not so-called a Welsh Atlantis, is it? Oh, that's another thing. Like, people use so-called incorrectly as well, don't they? Uh, for years and years now, uh, following an intriguing discovery on a 13th century map, they may have made a breakthrough. Known as the Goff map, after Richard Goff, who's, who acquired it from a state in 1774... It appears to show two mysterious islands in Cardigan Bay that don't exist in the present day. The Goff map is extraordinarily accurate considering the surveying tools they would have had at their disposal at the time, said Professor Simon Hazlitt of Swansea University. The two islands are clearly marked and may corroborate contemporary accounts of a lost land mentioned in the Black Book of Carmarthen. Do you know what the Black Book of Carmarthen is? I don't know what the Black Book of Carmarthen is, but, um, you know, if there were two, what were the two islands that were on the map, which, you know, they, you, know you could, yeah. could be man-made islands, couldn't they? Isn't there, um, isn't there something off the coast of the Isles? Silly, isn't there? Didn't they lose a couple of islands, didn't they? It's supposed to be like... A church, yeah, this happens, you know. If these See, islands... is the Black Book of Carmarthen uh, an accounting book? They usually... Yeah, it could be, yeah. Could be could be book of numbers of easy women in Wales. Yeah. <laughs> if these islands did exist, however, it's likely they were lost to the waves long ago. Well, not that long ago because they got a 13th century map. Uh, legends of su- sudden inundations, such as in the case of Cantreguelod, might be more to might be more likely to be recalling sea floods and erosion either by storms or tsunami that may have forced the population to abandon living along such a vulnerable. Such vulnerable coasts, said, ha- said Hazlitt. Oh. In roughly a millennium uh, from Ptolemy's line to the building of Harlech Castle during the Norman period, the seascape has completely altered. Yeah. So they left because of that, or they left because the place is a bit of a shithole, to be honest, which yeah. is why they left. But yeah, so good stuff. Yeah. So that's it. I think we're done for tonight. Yeah, we're done. I think we are. Take care, everyone. Right, Good so, night. night all. Night. And stay spooky.